Praise God. I was before the Lord early in the month and certain things got my attention. On the 3rd of June, 2014. And while I was studying, I noticed that for the most part, believers don't have goals. And when you don't have goals as a person, one, you will not be focused. You will not be focused. Hallelujah. And um, I wrote down some answers here. Why do people never reach their goals? One, they don't have any. Now, why do people never reach their goals? First of all, let's look at what is a goal. What is a goal? A goal is a dream with a deadline. A goal is a dream with a deadline. Then, there's something else I observed. Yesterday, I was reading through Zig Ziglar's history. And a statement struck me. And he said, a goal properly set is half reached. A goal properly set is half reached. All right? So the question still remains, what is a goal? You say it's a dream with a deadline. Then, Pastor, what is a dream? So, a dream, a dream is a mental picture of a desirable or a preferable future. A dream is a mental picture of a desirable or a preferable future. All right? Now, having known that a dream is a mental picture of a desirable or preferable future, then we can go back to a goal. You see, a goal is a clearly written statement. A goal is a clearly written statement of something you desire to be, do, or have. A goal is a clearly written statement of something you desire to be, 
do or have. Did you get that? Okay. These are some of the reasons I wrote down here and I'll come back to the definition. Why do people never reach their goals? One, they don't have any. Two, they don't know how to set goals. Three, they have fear. Four, they don't know how to plan. Five, they have no faith in God's willingness to help them succeed. Then he said this to me, which I take very seriously. He said, prepare people to reach their goals. Prepare people to reach their goals. Are we together? So we said a goal is a clearly written statement of something you desire to be, do, or have. And research has shown that 3%, actually less than 10% of the world, control the world's wealth. They control over 90% of the world's wealth. And the remaining 90 plus percent are actually living off less than 10% of the world's wealth. Why? It is obvious that most of these people in the higher bracket all have goals. And this got me moving many years ago. And if you observe our ministry, we have goals, we have timelines. What we want to achieve at this time, what we want to achieve at this time. I remember in 1996, I was listening to a dear man of God in this country. And he spoke about how he plans a whole year. And their ministry right now is one of the most influential ministries in the world. Why? He has a goal and a target for every month. See, if you don't have a target for a month, what you want to achieve in a month, what you want to achieve with a year, you'll achieve nothing. And so long as you have no yardstick to measure progress, your life will be unfulfilling. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Look at something. Go to Luke chapter 19. Because some people could be wondering, why is pastor... Um, teaching us things like this in church alright so you're going to see that all these things are biblical Luke 19 and I want us to begin from verse 11 Luke 19 11 and as they heard these things he added and spake a parable because it was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. So they felt, oh, now the kingdom of God would immediately appear. All right? He said, therefore, 
a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Now that shows this is Christ, right? I said, right? Okay. Then he says, and he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. Notice ten servants were given what? Ten pounds. So in this parable, everybody was given an equal deal. So that presupposes to me that this context is referring possibly to time. We all have 24 hours in a day. It can relate to time. Some people all have. It can relate to life. Because your life is the sum total of your time. See that? And if you do not have a plan for your time, of necessity, you have no plan for your life. Why? Because what you have, you call, the people call it my lifetime. See, people who seem to have no value for time is because they have no plan for their lives. And a lot of times they wonder why is it that someone else is more successful, someone else is more fulfilling, because for the most part, they have goals that they are going for. And they are going for. And it's important you have one. Amen? Look at verse 13. And he's called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, what did he say? What did he say? Occupy till I come. The Greek word is pragmatiumai. It means do business till I come. In other words, make a business of your life. Make a business of your life. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, what shall he profit a man if he gains the whole world, give it to me, and lose what? His own soul. Notice he's dealing with gain, profit, and what? Loss, lose. So, God wants us to make a business of our lives. See? He says, occupy till I come. Do business with your life. Do business with your time. And that is so important. He says, he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, occupy, occupy, pragmatiumai. Do business till I come. And a lot of people don't know that life itself is like a business. There's a Yoruba parable that says, Aye loja orunile. In other words, what you're saying is simply this that life is like a market. Heaven is a home. And many people don't live with that sense of purpose and sense of mission and weighing their values and like what does this profit me? How does this bless me? How does this make me a better person? They don't think about it because they're not making a business 
of their lives. Let's read on, please. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And people have been saying all kinds of things about Jesus. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, whom he had given the money. Now notice, notice 10 pounds. Then he comes here and says, give him the money. It's amazing that time is money. God gave you your time to trade with. He gave you your time to invest in an education. And you got knowledge. You got a diploma. You got a BSc. You got a master's degree. You traded. You took your time, invested in a relationship, and you had a friend. See, God gave you time to trade with. And you're going to give account of it. See, we're going to look at the money aspects some other time. But, but we're going to, it's important you realize that, boy, my life is an investment. And I must make a proper investment of my life. What am I going to pour my life into that will bring the greatest gain to me? I remember Peter J. Daniel said something. He said, at the end of your life, whatever you've achieved, whatever you've done with your life, remember this, it is what you traded your life for. So every day you're living, you're trading. You're trading for different values. You see, there's something I tell people sometimes. I say, we may develop or receive a vision, but we are driven by values. We are all driven by values. See, we are all driven by values. For instance, as a person, I spend most of my money on books and materials. And when I talk to my friends outside the country and uh, they want to buy anything for me, I say, buy books. See, that's my life. Because I understand that life itself is an investment. What are you trading your time for? What are you trading your time for? I was 17 years old when I started trading. Trading my time for information. Trading my time for quality relationships that will actually add value to my life. And today I look at my life. I remember I was talking to someone I said today for the most part I look at what I've become and I have no regrets about it and one thing I told someone I said my life is like a dream in terms of the accomplishment and I don't want to wake up from that dream I trade it see we're going to give account of ourselves what did you do with your life what did you do with your time you know, a lot of people make an excuse and say, oh, I, I did not, I did not um, have money. I, I am not from a wealthy family. Uh, my father did not train me. My uncle did not train me. My sister did not train me. Someone did not train me. Hear me. In the research I did yesterday on the richest Christian businessmen, amazingly, 
they were all from poor families. The greatest Christian businessmen. Some of them dropped out from grade six. That's primary six. R.O.G. Letourneau. He dropped out of school, started working as a young man, and went to the World War, came back, working on steel, and began to lobby for contracts. He was the one that designed the first bulldozer. Think about it. He had 300 patents to his name. He built the first offshore rig. Just think about it. A person that never went to the university. To design such things, you have to go to school. He didn't go to school. God taught him. So, you want to make an excuse why you, you are where you are, why, uh, you know, I, I never, I was dealt with a wooden spoon. You can eat with it. So, there's no excuse. I've told you the story of Peter J. Daniels again and again. At 26, he was a stack illiterate because at 16, he was in primary one. At 16 years old. He was mentally retarded. He could not read. He, was, if he, he reads upside down. He could not read. He could not spell. And before long, he became the wealthiest man in Australia. He taught himself how to read. After reading 2,000 biographies. See, you were giving your own 10 pounds. I was giving my own 10 pounds. He was giving his own 10 pounds. And you will find out that both the rich and the poor, all they have is 24 hours. These people are from worse conditions. Some of them, their parents were, I remember I was reading the story of a man. He had um, uh, four fathers and two mothers. So that would mean that the mother married someone else and that's the kind of family he was raised from. How will you think about it? What are you trading your life for? Because there's this thing we have in our mindset most time. We think that maybe some people were lucky. Maybe. And when I study most of the wealthiest men, even the secular world, I observe that even those who have become wealthy, most of them took a path separate from where their parents wanted them to go, dropped out of school, and now most of them are billionaires, but they dropped out of school, did not take any funding from their parents, and now they are billionaires, and now Christians make an excuse. Because when you talk to the average Christian, it has no life goal. He just wants God to drop money out of heaven. It doesn't happen. Money is the reward or the compensation for solving a problem. Zig Ziglar. It's a compensation. So if you will find a problem that people have and find a way to meet that need, in a way and manner that it adds value 
and at the price before long if you're consistent you'll be ahead of others it's so simple I traded my life to get here and I'm going to keep trading you have to trade with your life with your time you know that's what hurts me when I see um, Christian women who believe that sleeping with a man is a way to have your needs met it's an insult because there are countless secular women who through their hard work their hard work made sorry to say made themselves where they are I remember I was watching um, a lady many years ago I rarely do watch her program anymore but she's a very popular person Oprah Winfrey and she was a very poor from her very poor home she had a dream a goal of having a talk show and she started the talk show and investing herself in a talk show and now is the number one talk program in the world she is what about 45 billion dollars from just talking she's the world's richest woman from a poor home a poor background she's not even a Christian she used to be a religious Christian Because she's not born again. But she said something. She said, excellence is the greatest deterrent to sexism. In other words, if you do your work so well, nobody can put you down. Nobody can put you down. See that? See, what is your attitude to life? See, I remember... As a young man, the Lord shared something with me. And he began talking to me of the fact that I have only one life to live. And there's no second chance. If you waste that life, it is wasted forever. Yeah. Some of you think you have forever. See? And I thank God I learned it very early. Learned it very early as a teenager. And my friends wonder, why are you know, moving around in relationships and all this kind of thing? That's why I say, I have one life to live. Look at this. Verse 15. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded his servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money. That he might know, that he might know how much every man had what gained. Are you better off than you were yesterday? The only way you can keep on getting better every day is to have a goal. Is to have a target. See? Because when you don't have a goal, when you don't have a target, then what are you working at? There's no reason for discipline. Discipline is pointless. 
But when I realized that, boy, I want us to have a 24-hour Christian TV station. A 24-hour Christian music TV station. A 24-hour kids TV station. Sorry, Lord. Children's TV station. I don't use the word kids because kids is a small goat. So now I know that I got to work on myself. I got to learn faith. I got to build my faith. I got to understand planning. I got to understand the blessing. I've got to understand leadership. I've got to understand management. So time now has meaning. Because it's a clear destination. So when there's no goal, time has no meaning. So why should you pray in the morning? When I listened to, um, I was listening to Zig Ziglar last night, and uh, if you don't know, Zig Ziglar was a Sunday school teacher, or is like a Baptist Sunday school teacher. And there's something interesting. He said, I've read my Bible every day of my life. Why? Why should you read your Bible every day of your life? If I ask most of you here, you hardly read your Bible every day. But when you realize that, hey, if I'm going to be successful, it requires daily time spent in the Word. Then, reading your Bible takes on a new turn. Takes on a new turn. Hallelujah. So you need to understand this. That hey, come on now. What am I living for? I got a dream to have a school of business. Edge. Empowering, developing, and guiding entrepreneurs. Why? I want to be able to raise in the next four years now a thousand Christian businessmen and women. Because I want to be able to teach them how to do business well so that they can be employers of labor, they can take care of their families, they can also fund the gospel, help the poor. Because those are things God has given me a dream to do. But how am I going to do all that? I can't do all that myself. Other people are going to be successful. So, a school of business. And if there's going to be a school of business, I must know what I'm talking about. So, if I must know what I'm talking about, so I've got to study. See, if I must know what I'm talking about, I've got to study God's businessman in the Bible. Abraham was God's businessman. Isaac was God's businessman. Jacob was God's businessman. I've got to learn from them. So, now the Bible has meaning. Is a goal. Do you have a goal for your life? If you don't have a goal, if you don't have a dream, if you don't have a vision, time has no meaning. There must be a cause, there must be something driving you. Why am I teaching this this morning? Because I know that one person could catch it or two or three or ten and catch what I'm saying and go out there and make a big success of his life by that I've helped the kingdom of God 
and I would have gained by trading this time of communication. How did you gain? Somebody became successful. See? Someone is caring for his family. Someone has money to sponsor his brothers and sisters in school. You trade. When we started this ministry, I thank God I gained knowledge at 20 years old never to think of my father's wealth. Never to ask my father for money and all that. Because I learned that if I work hard and read much and make use of the knowledge, I can be successful. And I stepped out. And I told my dad, I said, Daddy, I want to leave your house. He said, no, 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 no. I said, I'm 20 years old. I should be responsible for myself. He said, no, 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 no. You're under my roof. Please stay. Went to school and stopped coming home for holidays. Just come once in a while. I, I wanted to know what it meant to survive by myself. Because I knew where I wanted to go. I wanted to be so successful that my father would not be able to beat his chest that he made me. I wanted God to glory over my life. And while I was that young, there were pastors who were coming to our house begging my father for money. One of those pastors is still begging him money till today. What did he trade his life for? A pastor came to my house somewhere in Agudama. We had no chairs, nothing, nothing, nothing. Just a foam that my wife had when she was in NDU. A foam that my wife used from 100 level to 400 level. You know that kind of foam that is beginning to tear. The foam has served. It's, it, it entered our house. The foam entered the house as a youth copper. It did its youth service in our house, the foam. Because I married my wife as soon as she left school. So she was going for youth service. The firm was doing youth service in our house. And the pastor came and said, uh, Good morning. Um, my wife is pregnant. And um, if you can support me so that uh, I can, my wife can deliver, she's in Portacot. I live in Portacot. I've been asking all the pastors for money. What can you give? I said, Didn't you see the house that you're looking at? And he said, but you can still give your own. I said, give my own. You're not even looking at, there's nothing in this house. No chair. Nothing. I knew that man would beg for a long time. Refuse to beg. Refuse to beg. Refuse to beg. I didn't get here by begging. Somebody wanted to give us the land. This is interesting. And um, his father has lands. And he said, why don't you, as a church, write a letter to my father and tell him that your church needs land? <laughs> Someone came to tell me the person said, I, I said, I can't, can't do that. I didn't beg to get here. I won't beg to go to the next level. I trade. See, that's what you do. You trade your time. You choose your friends. 
You're choosing friends. Is this person going to move me to the next season? What they say, will it, will it make me a better person? Will, will, it, will it increase my income? Will it increase my influence? Will it increase my effectiveness? No, this is not a friend. It's a sabotage to my destiny. See, many people you call friends are actually sabotoirs of your destiny. They're not friends. Afana, you see the data of Chikala? Oh boy, they try you. <laughs> you had to change them, and change them. Because they enjoy my life after I go repent. He's trading in Chikalas and receiving the courses from the generation of those women. Because sex is a spiritual union. It's more than a physical union. That's why one of the ways they initiate people into some of this evil um, world is through sex. It's trading. And he gives birth to a child and the child is doing a gabagebe spirit. Where did this thing come from? The father was a good trader in sex. But the mother was a good trader in sex. So you're trading. Hallelujah. Are you learning something? Hallelujah. Look at this again. Verse 15. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded his servants to be called unto him whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained. How? How? By trading. Do you know God is a goal setter? Genesis 1. Genesis chapter 1. I want us to read from verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning. Where what? Notice that was all God did the first day. God was satisfied with what he did the first day. Because that was what he wanted to achieve the first day. Do you have goals for every day? Can you say, this is a good day? See? So, every day you wake up, what is this day supposed to bring forth to you? Most people don't plan. They wake up, brush, enter their car or walk to a friend's house and say, how far? And I just got rich on the side. So I decide they now. That was, that's somebody's deal. Finish from that side. Or they just said, Jesus said, man, get one film, we'll go watch. Sat down, watch the movie part one, part two, and part three, and part four, and finish the parts. Then went home. You say your life is very unfulfilling. You say your life is depressed. There is no definite target for each day. There's a woman called Mary Kay Ash, the founder of Mary Kay Cosmetics. She married her first husband, Mr. K. Mr. K died. Married her second husband, Mr. Ash. And um, 
Mr. Ash was the man, one of our managers that helped her build her business, Mary Kay Cosmetics. And she was a Christian. And she said, we went into partnership with God. They went into partnership with God. That's what she said. But it was something she did every day. She wrote down six things she was going to do every day. Every day. She write down one, two, three, four, five, six. That I'm going to achieve today. Then tomorrow. And by 2001, I think she passed her in 2001, if I'm not mistaken. She was what two, she had raised a business worth two billion dollars. Mary Kay Cosmetics. She learned to maximize a day. If you can maximize a day, you can maximize your week. If you can maximize your week, you can maximize your month. If you can maximize your month, you can maximize your year. If you can maximize your year, you can maximize your life. See, that's the key. Many people have no plan for the day. So, each day just passes by. And you forget that all you have in your life is what? Today. Tomorrow is a promise. Tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow is always tomorrow. Yesterday is forever gone. All we have is today. If you don't live your life with that sense of urgency, knowing that you have just one life to live, and that life must be planned judiciously. What am I doing today? What am I training my life for? I want you to think about it. God did this one the first day, this one the next day, this one the next day, this one the next day. God is a planner. God is a planner. He thinks things through. Notice that God, hear me, God did not create man until he had made what man would eat. God did not create the animals until he had made the plants. See, he was organized. He planned the days. Because he could have made man the first day. All man had was water. So man starts water fasting until the, until the day the animals are made. Uh, and, uh, sorry, the, the, the plants, because Adam was eating plants first before he ate animals. We're giving permission to eat animals from Genesis chapter 9. You don't think about it. So that means God's plan is like, okay, we're going to have light. And we're going to have day and night. Why day and night? God is putting time in focus. Because if there's no day and night, how do you measure? When is the second day? When is the third day? See, God is a planner. He told about it. The first thing I need to do is to have light. And when I have light, and I separate the light from the darkness, it'll be day and night. So I'll know the first day, and on the second day, so I can keep track of time. Do you keep track of time? This is the sixth month. Next time someone say, ah, September don't reach. Time they run, oh, no, time doesn't run. It ticks. Learn from your father God. 
Learn from your father God. Learn from your father God. Learn from him. Look at what he does. So simple. So simple. He got day and night. Okay, now, this is the first day. Second day, we'll do the feminine. See? Third day, we'll separate the waters. That is, uh, from the waters. We'll separate waters from the waters. And he kept on moving and moving and moving until he made the animals. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Then the fourth day, he made the lights. Fifth day, he made the animals. And um, sixth day, he, he, he made man. And the amazing thing about the third day, when he divided the waters from the waters and um, from the land, the waters from the land, because the first waters are both from waters beneath. The third day, the waters, he had land. After he got land, he now said, let the earth bring forth grass. God was organized. That's why I tell people, I say, you want to do something, do you have a plan? They don't have a plan. And that's why people have a difficulty choosing choices and uh, making choices about the university, making choices about what they want to study. They say, What do you want to say? Uh, which one will I study? And which one makes more money? Uh, if I study uh, accounting or banking and finance, someone thought banking and finance means you're going to have money. And they did banking and finance and found out that banking and finance is not what they thought it was. And they regret doing banking and finance, they're selling nice swally market. When you think about it, let me show you something about your daddy God. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4. Let's begin from verse 3. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent for his son, made of a woman made under the law to redeem notice he said when the fullness of time was what was come i mean god wants the timelines jesus said the hour has come that the true worshipers worshipers who worship the father in spirit and in truth the hour is coming and now is. So God walks with timelines. And it's so important you realize that God walks with timelines. So important. Many people don't know. See that? They don't walk with timelines. So what is a goal? We said a goal is a clearly written statement. A goal is a clearly written statement. Clearly written statement of something you desire to be, do or have. Of something you desire to be, do or have. It is definite. It is clear because until the goal is clear, there will be no motivation. 
I'm going to read you a few scriptures and I'm going to close this service. Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29, verse 18. It says, I'm reading the King James Version. Where there is no vision, the people what? Perish. The Spanish translation says, where there is no vision, people run like wild horses. A horse is known for a strong sexual desire. So it's telling me that one of the ways you can curb a lack of self-restraint is a vision. And what is a vision? A clear picture of the future. An image of the future. A clear image of the future. When you lose sight of it, everything goes down. Let me tell you a story of a young man in the Bible. We all talk about his good part and his bad part. His name was Solomon. And Solomon, so long as Solomon had in his heart to build God's temple, the goal of his life was to build God a temple. And when he achieved the goal of his life, very early in life, the next thing he went to was what? Women. There was no other thing Solomon wanted to achieve. He never fought a war. See, that's why you must constantly have new goals and new goals and new goals. Why? Because if you don't have new goals and new targets you're moving towards, your life will be disorderly. So you must learn to take a piece of paper and say, okay, what do I want to achieve in 2014? Can you think about it? What do I want to achieve? And let it be something that it will, it will take God to help you achieve it. See? Because I don't consider it a goal from God if it's something you can do by yourself. Because God will never give you a goal you can achieve by yourself. No, no. No, 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 a thousand times no. We got on two international stations this year, and it is something that if you think in natural, how are we going to pay for it? So, it's God. But I have my part to fill. I got to spend time on the word. I got to build my faith. I got to learn more about managing finances. And now, we, we got on the two stations and I'm not under pressure. My, 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 my heartbeat is not beating faster. Because, no, no, the money came and we paid. Before the seventh month, we had already done that. And while I was trying to relax, I got a call from London that a marketer from one of the biggest stations in Europe is asking us to send our videos. And we sent the video and before the end of the year, we should be on TV in Europe. So what about you? Is God only interested in me and the ministry? He's interested in you. But there's nothing for God to achieve. No clear go. Have you sat down to write down and say, this is what... I want to achieve with my life. This is what I want my life to be like. 
Have you sat down to write it down? I want to be the best father in the world. I want to live a life without reproach, without scandal. True to my wife every day that I live. See, these things will drive you. See, it will drive you. I've only known one woman all my life. Her name is Valerie Zitwa Fessel. That's all. That's my wife. See, you never had it as a goal. You say, I want to be pure. It's just, you want to be pure. It's a suggestion. But you sit down and write it down. And say, from today, 15th of June, by the help of God's grace, I choose to be a holy man. Leave it now, it's a goal. Now it's clear what you want to be. From today, I, you write it down. This is what I want to be. This is what I want to be at the end of my life. And I was talking to some of our leaders here and I said, there are certain things I, I never did. Not because I was stronger than anyone else, but I was thinking about my biography. Now, how can a, a teenage boy, a 20-year-old boy, a 22-year-old boy, start thinking of a biography? He had made up his mind to be great. So, he had thought about it. If I, if I do great things for God, if, I remember William Carey says, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. And this man fired me up. So, if I do great things, the books will be written about me. But what should the book be like? He had 15 girlfriends. I said, that's not sweet. That's not sweet. See, when you have a goal, you have self-restraint. Some of you have never sat down. Set your spiritual goals. I want to be known for prayer. I want to be known as a man of the word. I want to be known as someone that cares for orphans. I want to be known as someone. You write it down. I want to be able to have a business in, 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 that starts from Yenagua that will touch Nigeria. Have you sat down? Well, Christians don't do that. I was reading a book some time ago and he spoke about a particular individual and, um, that went to uh, interview American Olympic athletes. And they said they would speak to many of them, many of them had good intentions, maybe they should win the gold and all that. So, but there were certain of them who carried their goals everywhere. And they, uh, he asked one of them, said, what do you intend to do in the Olympics? So I intend to win, uh, was it five gold or something? A person, before gold, a person, said, a person brought out of his wallet and said, here, are, a, gold, a gold in this, a gold in this, a gold in this, a, written down. And then if you don't want it, Because you find out if you take out the time, you write a, a, a dream of what your life should be five years from now. If you leave here, you go home, write what your life should be five years from now. Spiritually, there's an inward monitor in me that wakes me up around two. I either choose to go back to sleep, sometimes I choose to go back to sleep because maybe I've been up. But it's just there. Because I wrote about five years from now. 
And I, I always keep on writing it again and again that I woke up at 2 o'clock this morning. Five years, maybe, I said July 2nd, 2019. I woke up 2 a.m. this morning. And I write the way my life should be. Waking up at 2 a.m. in the morning. Praying till 6 a.m. in the morning. You write your own goal. Yours could be, you wake up at four. You wake up at five. You write it down. Then you write your goal, what your life should be like. To become the first person to have a business in every city in this nation. And that's a big goal. That's a big goal. Then you'll have to plan. What do I need to do every day? What do I need to do every day to achieve this goal? See, because the goal enough is, is not enough. You must have a plan. What do I need to do every day? See? And that's why, as an individual, I remember I was reading something that, that, that really stirred my spirit. And he said, if you take a hummingbird, a particular humming pigeon, and you cover its head with a basket, with a, with a cloth and put it inside a carton inside another carton and carry it round your city round and round and round and bring it back to another place and release it it will go round and round and round and go back to the place you picked it from and he said because it has an inward monitor an inward guide to track wherever it is taken, taken to and he said something he said the only being that has that kind of thing is a human being. And he said, if you will write down your goals, he said, somehow the resources necessary will come to you. Somehow you will meet the, the people necessary to carry it out. When I read that, I knew it was true. You know why? Because somehow information finds me. I can't explain it. I end up knowing um, ministers of God or trainers in the world that even my friends I brought don't know. How? Because I have a goal. It is very clear. To set for the standard to the body of Christ and to the world. So my goal is clear. And because it's clear, somehow this information finds me. I can't explain it. Books find me. Tapes find me. CDs find me. I can walk into a shop and pick a material. And they're like, how come you pick that? I said, I just know I need a book like this. Do you know we have stuff two or just only one? I traveled abroad to buy the books. I just bought that one. He bought that one because I needed it. Or she bought that one because I needed it. Because there was a goal. There was a clear, definite goal. I made up my mind to be the best dad in the world. The best husband in the world. And I just can't explain it. I know people who teach marriage. 
lots of ministers who teach marriage. That even people sometimes are like, how did you know so? Oh, you know so and so? Yes, I've known him a long time. How? I can't just explain it. I have a goal. We had a goal to have a church in Biogbolo, close to the road. They said there is no venue on the road. This venue was on the road for me. Christ embassy tried to get it. They couldn't get it. The man told them five million. When we came, the man told us 1.5 million. We were not just looking for venues anywhere. We are looking for a venue where? In Biobolo. It was very clear. That's why you need to sit down with God. You see, life is not as difficult as you think. As you think. As soon as we got this venue, do you know the next place God gave us a house? You guessed right. Biogbolo. Not far from church. So I can take a walk to church. When you write the goal, and you write the plan, and it's for the glory of God, I don't know how to explain it. The resources start locating you. Bow your heads in Jesus' name. I want you to ask God for a life goal. Ask God for a life goal right now. And now that you're asking God for a life goal, your paper and pen should be ready to write because he's going to talk to you. Your paper and pen should be ready. This is a practice of Habakkuk 2 from verse 1, 2, and 3. Ask him for a life goal. What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be remembered for? As it drops in your spirit, get out your pen and write it down. It can be more than one. It can be five. What do you want to be remembered for? When you're dead, what, what do you want people to know you achieved, you did? How did you impact history? Talk to the Lord.